0: This week on the Unabated Podcast, Captain Jack returns and we sit down with Matt Buchalter plus EV Analytics to talk about NBA season win totals and really get into the process behind how he's arrived at his numbers. It's a great show. Let's get to it. If
1: the guy goes unabated, that's a new word, unabated, that's a too big a word. That's like mayonnaise, i
0: hello everyone and welcome on into the unabated podcast i'm thomas viola and making his return mr unabated himself captain jack andrews jack it's been a couple weeks without you here Um, uh, just been scheduling we had a fantastic interview between gina and andrew nimi last week she of course also interviewed ed miller the week before a great show and before that i was talking with rufus but it is good to have you back my friend
1: Thanks, Tom. It's good to be here with you. Uh, those were some really good episodes. If, if anyone missed those, uh, some really great content. Your discussion with Rufus was was a real, I, I learned some stuff. And then with, with Ed and then with Andrew Nemi, and great, great content.
0: Yeah, I really loved it. And the audience has loved them too. They've been some of our best episodes so far, which I'm loving seeing because we have really been putting a lot of work into these. And it's great to see that people are liking them as well. We hope that everybody Mm -hmm. likes today's episode because if you do, go ahead and hit us with that five-star review. Seriously, it really does help out. Hit us with a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. But in the meantime, Jack, NBA kicks off tonight. And of course, we have the NBA early bird special going. Well, it's not really an early bird special. We just have our NBA special going on right now. Four months of Unabated for six months. months six months of Unabated. Woo! Wow, for that is, a long, that is yeah. a long NBA season. Six months for $699. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, check that out right now. And of course, as always, hang out with us here on Unabated and in our fantastic Discord. You can join that as well. But it is. NBA season, and today we have a very special guest joining us to talk all about the NBA and especially season win totals. We got Plus EV Analytics joining us. Yeah, this is going to be good. Uh,
1: Plus EV has done a lot of good work with some futures bets. Uh, I remember him doing some... MLB players futures that he had seen at five dimes back during the, the COVID shortened year. He identified some inefficiencies there. Then he moved into NBA or MLB season wins um, and was on top of those, I think for two of the last three seasons. And now this year he's going to do NBA season wins. And I, I think uh, I I read through his article about it, which we'll link to in the show notes, I'm sure. Uh, and I I said, let's get this guy on because not enough people talk about the process, and this is totally process-driven. This isn't just his picks as to who he thinks is going to go over under their season wins. He's talking about his process, uh, and that's that's important
0: to talk about. Yeah, and, and it's incredibly valuable to get the insight into someone who is working at this high levels process of what they're doing because a lot of times we don't get that curtain lifted back. I mean, Lord knows talking about it with you, Peter Rufus, on the show, it, it is that balance of content versus Guarding your edges and keeping some of that keeping some of that safeguarded from everybody else. So we are going to be able to talk about all of that, his actual process as well as how he balances the same exact thing, doing content versus giving away some of this edge. And I think it's going to be a great interview. I am excited. Let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into the show plus EV Analytics. Matt Bill Calter. Matt thank you so much for being with us here today it is the start of the nba season and we have so much to talk about with you especially because you just got done uh, releasing a fantastic article detailing your entire uh, the entire data set for you for nba season win projections this year
2: yeah absolutely thank, thanks for having me on uh, i owe jack a favor after his assist in the uh, scavenger hunt bet bash so uh <laughs> Happy to do it. Yeah. Beginning of NBA season. Um, those of you who have been following along with my Twitter and my articles know that I have been doing the NFL season wins for a few years now. Um, moved on to baseball this year, had a pretty good year. One year doesn't really tell you much, but it's encouraging to uh, have had success in multiple sports. So yeah, um, It was between hockey and basketball in terms of the next place to go. Hockey is a little bit annoying with the whole overtime loss gets a point and you're you're modeling season points instead of season wins. So I decided not to go there and uh, hit the NBA
0: this year. And so when it comes to releasing some of this information, it's the same exact drawback that uh, a lot of people here at Unabated deal with when it comes to the balance of – content versus safeguarding your edges because you're putting out stuff to help people to help people improve and also to create your own content but at some point you're also you're coming on shows like this and you're you're still giving up a little bit of your edge how is it that you walk that tightrope what do you what's your mindset when it comes to content versus edges yeah and I've, I've taken heat for
2: it both uh both publicly and privately for some of the stuff i've given out um, we've never I had think- that yeah, well, sure. Um, I think part of it for me is the fact that I don't do this professionally. I have a regular job. I do this as kind of a a fun hobby/slash side project that I'm I'm not afraid of giving up my livelihood. So I'm, I'm a little more kind of open with it um, because it's not my primary source of income. Um and and also it is business development for me because Most of the success, most of the financial success I've had from the the sports betting world over the course of my career doing this has been from somebody reading my stuff, seeing my stuff and saying, hey, I want to work with this guy, sending me an email or a DM saying, hey, I'm working on blah, 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 let's partner up on it. And and these are opportunities I would never have had um, just doing this on my own, especially in my spare time. So part of it, there's... It's not entirely all altruistic. It is, I, I do kind of want to put myself out there and just you know open to any opportunities that might come up. But also, it is fun. I, I enjoy building this stuff for myself. I enjoy talking about this stuff with sharp people like yourselves. Um, And I enjoy just uh, putting it out there for the world.
1: So, Matt, uh, people might wonder why we're having you on to talk about NBA season wins. And by the time this podcast drops... The first games will have already been played, and some of these markets might not even be available. But that kind of goes back to what we're about with Unabated. We're about process, not picks. So we wanted to talk to you about this process because I read this article. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, Let's kind of step through some of the basis of your model, and maybe people can learn from it. So the first thing is uh, the basis for your projections is applying a beta binomial distribution. So, first of all, what's a beta, beta binomial distribution, what's it good for?
2: First of all, a little little courtesy to your Canadian guests, it's process. process. Um, anyway, beta binomial, yeah. So, let me try and, and break this down um, in, in as little time and as simply as I can. So, um, anybody who's taken high school stats is hopefully familiar with the binomial distribution, which is just you know, probability of the number of... Uh, times something can happen out of the number of times it could possibly happen. So flipping a coin 82 times the count, the number of heads that you flip, that would follow a regular traditional binomial distribution. And that requires knowing both the number of flips, 82, and the probability of heads, 50%. And then you know the probability of zero heads, one head, two head, all the way up to 82 heads, uh, basic, basic stuff. So let's look at a team like the Atlanta Hawks, which is the closest to league average in terms of market perception based on their market win total, the market expects them to be a league average team. So one might naively suggest that you can use the same binomial distribution to predict the Atlanta Hawks win total as you could flipping a coin 82 times. And that is not correct. And the reason that's not correct is that The market expects the Hawks to be a league average team, but that is an estimate. That is not a known truth in the way that probability of a head uh, being flipped on a coin flip is 50%. It's kind of a known truth. And so the market thinks the Hawks are a league average team. The market could be wrong. They might be better, they might be worse. And you might say, well, Matt, the market is efficient. It's not wrong. But market efficiency is not a matter of precision. Market efficiency is a matter of unbiasedness. So if you think, well, the Hawks might be a 500 team. There's a 50% chance, let's say they're a league average team. There's a 25% chance they're significantly above average and 25% chance they're significantly below average. That does not violate the market efficiency, the efficient market hypothesis, because there is no edge there to be gained from just betting over under their season win total. What this is doing is this is adding an extra layer of variance to the distribution because now not only do you have what's called process variance in terms of the Hawks could be a league average team and get really lucky and win 55 games or get really unlucky and win 25 games, but also what's called parameter variance that we think The market thinks, the world thinks, the Hawks are a league average team. The market might be wrong. They might be really good. They might be really bad. They might have injuries. They might have coaching issues. They might have whatever is unknown that doesn't violate market efficiency because it could go either way. But what it does impact is the shape of the distribution. It makes the more extreme outcomes like the Hawks winning 55 or 25 games more likely than a straight binomial distribution would predict. So all this is to say that beta binomial looks and feels kind of like a binomial distribution, but it has this extra shot of variance that comes from the fact that the main parameter, which is the probability of winning any given game, is not known but must be estimated and comes with estimation error. Okay. Does that make sense?
1: It makes it makes sense to me. So I noticed in your in your paper that you wrote, article paper, it felt like a paper because it was very, very official. Sure. Uh, you You then looked at the the market bias and uh, walk us through that process, use pinnacle. walk us through what you did.
2: Yeah, I, I use Pinnacle. I mean, you could really use any sharp book. I just use Pinnacle because I, I can't I don't have an easy feed for circa lines in Canada. I can't get their app. So I use Pinnacle phone. No, not not I don't I don't think there would be a big difference um if I were to use any other sharp book up there. So the first thing I did was I looked at all 30 teams, their pinnacle market win total and converted it into um you know total and an implied probability. And once you add up all 30 win totals from all 30 teams, what you find is that there is about 0.77 wins per team, more implied in the pinnacle win totals than there actually are wins to go around. There's only, there's a finite number of games in the season. Each game has one winner. So you can debate whether any individual team is too high or too low, but as a matter of, of reality, the total number of wins that all 30 teams are going to acquire over the course of the season is a known quantity. And the total wins implied by the market, the average is 41.77 wins, uh, which is 0.77 higher because it's the, the, the season's 82 games. And the average odds are something like minus 101. 10- 9 on one side and then a minus 105 on the other side, something like that. But they were actually shaded to the over despite the fact that there were just too many winds there to go around. So you know, a, a funny consequence of this independently of having to model anything is that if you just bet every single wind total under at Pinnacle, they're taking about a thousand U.S. Um, limits. It's not a guarantee that you'll win because you don't know how the winds are going to you might have a lot of teams going over by a little and a few teams going under by a lot. So it's not a guaranteed win, but you know, you would expect that the the, the teams going over and the teams going under are going to be somewhat balanced. So you would have about a plus 5% expected value with relatively low variance. So not something I did personally because uh, a 5% edge is just not enough for me to tie up my money for whatever it is, six, seven months. But just interesting that there are, it's not quite an arb, but it's like a like a near arb that this would be mm-hmm. available at a sharp book with decent limits, um, and it was there for a long time.
1: I was I was surprised at it too. I we used to see this a lot on the NFL back when, like you could line shop in Vegas, you could legit line shop in Vegas. You'd have to run around town basically, but you could add up all the season wins that all the books were offering, and they were skewed heavily to the over. And you can find their value was always on the under. Uh, okay, so then the third kind of scientific step of this is you come up with this parameter variance, or uh, you know the, the parameter variance for this so this distribution that you have. Um, how did you come up with this number? Is this part of the beta binomial distribution? And then uh, you know how does this all apply, and what does it add up to?
2: Yeah, and it is part of the, the, the beta binomial distribution. And because it it's, has that extra shot of, of variance in it, there's an extra parameter that you need over and above uh, a straight binomial. So, what I did was I looked at six years of, of historical uh, data. It's actually eight years, but I threw out the two uh, COVID impacted years. And, and it's the same thing I did for the NFL when I did the same exercise. I said, okay, here's 30 teams, six seasons, 180 season team seasons where i have i have to go back and find you know articles from like 2018 of what each team's win total was so here's each team's market win total and here's their actual win you know total result and i looked at the divergence between the market expectation and the true outcome now that difference is going to be the sum of two components the Process variance and the parameter variance. The process variance is actually a known, um, a known quantity. So really, uh, I'm simplifying this a little bit, but just trying to sort of condense it into uh, bite-sized chunks is I look at the actual dispersion between market predicted and actual win totals over six years, subtracted out kind of what the standard process variance would have been from a straight binomial distribution and whatever is left over is greater than 0 meaning that I have what we call overdispersion which is why beta binomial works and binomial doesn't that would actually tell me the the quantity the amount of the overdispersion which then gets baked into this parameter in the in the beta binomial and for the nba and I can I can give you the number, but it wouldn't, wouldn't really make any sense out of context. But I can tell you that when I did this in multiple sports, the NBA um, fell below the NFL. So the NFL had the most um, variance where, you know, you might expect a team to be 500 and they could end up being really, really great team or a really terrible team. Um, Major League Baseball had the least Uh, parameter variance, something i took advantage of this year by betting uh, oakland to have the least possible wins like the the bad teams in baseball you know they're going to be bad teams unless something really really crazy happens. so baseball has the least parameter variance and then the nba is somewhere in between those two
0: and that makes
1: um, makes sense because there's fewer games in the nfl and there's more games in mlb so uh you know to fall in the middle of that that makes sense yeah
0: yeah yeah, it's all about the sample size. Like they, of course, Major League Baseball you got what, 162 games. Yeah.
2: I would say that's part of it in that you learn more when you have a larger sample size, but the beta binomial sort of already takes into account that you have 82 games in in uh, basketball versus 17 in football versus 162 in baseball. It's more it's more than just that. It's that the amount of I called it in the article, you know what you're getting this is Highest in baseball, you know, you know, you don't know precisely, but you have a pretty good idea going into the season who the best teams are going to be, who the worst teams are going to be, who the average teams are going to be. Of course, there's some variance around that, but not as much as in, let's say the NFL where it seems like every year there are a few teams that surprise to the good and a few teams that surprise to the bad. I mean, even, even independently of the fact that it's a shorter season, Um, you get more injuries, you get more impactful injuries. Um, There's just, you just know less about a team going into an NFL season than you do in uh, basketball and uh, to to baseball.
0: And and so essentially everything that you've built up to at this point with how you've built, how how you've built this all out, it's all in an attempt to quantify how much each half win is worth towards the total. But when it comes to each individual team and what you need to look for as far as predictive indicators of success you still need to add things like that in right so it comes down to looking for different predictive signals was there anything interesting that you found that you can share with us because i'm sure that's part yeah. of the secret sauce
2: yeah and I, I i could have stopped here i didn't have to continue and for my first couple of years doing nfl i did stop there i said okay well I assume that if the market says the Jets are a seven win team, the Jets are a seven win team. I can still price all, I can still price other things, but I'm treating sort of the main win total market as infallible. Recently, I moved off of that for uh, football and also in basketball to say, okay, can I find situations where the market seems to get it wrong? You never know for sure, especially uh, my sample size is 180. Can't really tell very much with any kind of definite certainty with that small of a sample size. But I said, okay, well, are, are there any places or any situations where the market is giving me a strong indication that there might be some predictive signal there? And I found a few. The, the, the biggest one is um, inspired the title of my article, The Big Squeeze. And basically, what this says is that the higher the market expected win total of a team, the more they tend to underperform their total and the lower the expectation is, the more they tend to overperform. And so you could think of that as every team getting squeezed toward being, you know, closer to a league average team than the market, uh, win totals would suggest. The best teams tend to be still good, but underperform their totals. The worst teams tend to be still bad, but again, closer to that 50 50 mark than the market win totals would apply. Is that an indisputable fact? No, again, my sample size is 180, you don't know anything for sure. But no, the evidence seems to suggest that it's kind of more likely than not, there is something there. Now, it's possible that there was something there and the market has corrected, because I'm getting one back eight years. Um, That's also difficult to to determine. And and there is a little bit of a, a leap of faith here. I mean, we are still gambling, we're not, curing cancer here, like there there is a little bit more tolerance for uncertainty and for risk of model error than there would be if this was more of a kind of a high stakes life and death sort of modeling
0: context. That makes sense. And when it comes to trying to find some of these predictive signals, if you're someone else who's going out and trying to build their own beta binomial distribution, what are some tips you have on places that they should look, things that they should look into? Like, How, how do you hunt down these predictive signals?
2: Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter whether it's a beta binomial distribution or some other model. I think the, the simplest thing someone could do is, is go into something simple like an Excel pivot table and, and look at for whatever variable you could dream up, what is the total or average wins and what is your total or expected wins? And can you see any pattern, whatever variable you dream up, is there any pattern where the actual and expected differ in some kind of a systematic way based on, you know, you could try a hundred different variables. And you know, yes, you might find some some uh, false positives here. This is kind of part of it, we deal with small data sets. But a couple of ways that you could sort of minimize that risk you can rely on your intuition, your common sense, your domain knowledge. So if something looks like a systematic pattern, does it make sense to you as someone who knows something about this sport, that this relationship would exist and in this direction? And another thing you can do is, is you can shrink your coefficients. So if your model says that um, you know teams full of rookies are going to win eight fewer games than expected, Maybe you treat it like it's too fewer games expected in your in your model, uh, because okay, this is what data is saying, but you know, it's very hard to figure out how much of that is real signal. And if it's real signal, how much of it is persistent into the future, and how much of it is either random noise or signal that used to exist, but the market is self-corrected.
0: And, and so when you talk about comparing some of the like building a pivot table and comparing some of these stats to wins versus expected wins, like, and I am literally just pulling out the most basic off the top of my head, hypothetical, no tongue in cheek, no saying, Oh, Hey, go, go try and do this. But for example, using something like saying, Oh, if a team is taking teams three point efficiencies, and if a team has a really high efficiency shooting threes, you see a relationship there between their actual wins and them going over their expected wins. Something like that is like an example of using one of those tables to find a signal like that. Right. Totally. I I didn't look at
2: that particular one, but it it may very well have some kind of signal.
0: Yeah. And again, I like just making that up there to create an example to make it make sense. But when it comes to this data, you already talked about how a little bit of this is a leap of faith. We are still gambling here. There's a risk of good in, good out where you're putting in data that's quite simply just not going to end up being correct and predictive and you end up with bad results. Like there's a risk of that, right?
1: I've never heard of that term "good in, good out." I've heard of "garbage in, garbage, <laughs> garbage out." Garbage in, garbage out is the t- ha- more typical term, but the yeah. happier
0: spin on
2: it. So, hey, that's uh, <laughs> that's <good>. right. <laughs> I like it. What right? can I say? I'm it's an true. optimist. I like to go positive. You're going to put good in, it. get
0: good out, and have good results. Yeah. Yeah. that's
2: nice. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to use that at work tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, there absolutely is a, a risk of that, especially when you're dealing with a, a high variance domain, especially when you're dealing with a small sample size. And that's why it makes it super important to do those two things, to, to shrink your signal so that if you're wrong, you're wrong by a lesser magnitude and uh, check what you're finding in the data against your domain knowledge. Uh, you know, does it make sense that Rookies tend to underperform their season win total. Well, yeah, I think it does because there's definitely a learning curve, an experience curve when you come into the league. There's the the, a a rookie coming into the league is kind of at the highest point on their their hype scale, um, just coming out of the draft, especially if they're high draft picks. And you know, usually this is true in every sport, but I think I'm finding more so in basketball because it takes it, it usually. Two, three, four years at least for a, a really good player to to reach their full potential. Um, you know, obviously, there are exceptions, but they're few and far between. So, I mean, you look at the Spurs. You look at uh, what's his name, Victor Wembanyama. Is that it? Um, yeah, good enough. Um, you know, he he is as hyped right now as he is probably ever going to be unless he becomes, you know, the next LeBron James, who's a global superstar. Um, but you could make a case that the Spurs win total is maybe a little bit inflated because people are people have higher expectations for what he's going to deliver in his rookie season than you know, even if he turns out to be great. you know, even even the great players in their rookie seasons um, you know, don't don't put up, don't help their teams as much as one might expect. So that's the kind of thing where okay, if your model said teams with lots of rookies are great, they really exceed their expectations. I'd look at that and be like, well, wait a minute, does that really, does that really make sense? And I guess if you tried hard enough, you could you could dig up some kind of a narrative to uh, to, to to fit that. But just to me, it seems like it seems like this relationship should exist in one direction and not in the other direction. And if the data backs up that up, um, it's usually a good sign that you found something real.
1: Okay, so you've got your projection, you've got your distribution for that projection, uh, and now you have probability based on that, but you still gotta get the money down. So, uh, Matt, I gotta ask you, any tips for people on getting the money down? What to look for in markets?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously line shopping is, is you know great. The more books, the better. There does tend to be wider dispersion when you look at um, season win totals, all season win totals, you know, playoffs, yes, no, these kind of more derivative type markets, you do get a lot more dispersion from book to book. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's not but they don't have uh, NBA futures up. I use them a lot for NFL, like, but- I was doing that. So maybe a little suggestion for next year you get those uh it, it might be NBA, uh, yeah. NBA futures up, then uh I would be happy to use unabated for that. Um in terms of books, I, I wouldn't use you know PPH books because you're tying your money up for you're tying your credit up, whatever the case may be for all those months, and there's no guarantee that the the bookie will even be, you know, in the country come come April to be able to pay you. Um, don't use one of the crappier books where there's a risk that they might go out of business. That actually happened, uh, in Ontario. It was a year ago. I forget the name of the book. It was some European book, um, where they actually ceased operations during March Madness. And all the pending futures, um, all the pending futures that were already dead were, were graded as losses. All the pending futures that were, uh, live i believe were refunded don't quote me on that i think something like that happened it was a, it was not
1: great even being refunded is not a fair deal they should fail to pay out the fair cash value and i've seen some other books go out of business recently in the u.s and they basically made settlement offers to people um on the fair cash value and they actually rounded upwards so but Yeah. yeah just refunding the bet at a time when the bet's still alive is probably not the Fair I guess you're lucky to
2: get paid at all if the if the book is going for the business. But I guess. Uh, yeah. Well, if, sorry, if, I evaluate you evaluate the risk wherever you're playing these, you know, evaluate the risk that they will still be around in mm-hmm. April to pay these things out. Um, consider the time value of money, especially now with interest rates being a little bit higher than they have been in previous years. Um, you know, the, the threshold edge that you have to have to be able to to sort of make, make enough return. Um to, to give up kind of just even the interest you would have made in six months is, is uh you know that that thre- threshold is is higher than it would have been in previous years. You know, I am looking for at least 15, 20% uh, theoretical EV when I bet these things, just because I that's the that's the return mm-hmm. I wanna make if I'm tying my money up with this law. Um and yeah, I mean, like anything else, you use a use an odd screen if there is one that has the market in question. If not, do it manually like I did. Uh, I'm lucky enough to be in the province of Ontario where there are just tons and tons of legal outs out there that have all kinds of these markets. Um, So, you know, I I was doing a lot of manual line shopping uh, last weekend.
1: So, and then also, I believe you mentioned in the article that things at longer odds with the variance involved there, there's actually a little bit of an advantage to the to the better in situations like that, right?
2: Yeah, and this is over and above kind of the the nuts and bolts of the model. called it plus EV's law of maximum trapeze, and that is what, when when there is a situation with unusually high level of uncertainty about what's going to happen. Uh, you know, injury questions. look at the. The uh, Sixers would be an example of that with well, James Harden, is he gonna play? Is he not gonna play? What kind of effort is he gonna give? Situation. Um, more recently with with Memphis and the the injury issues that that uh that they're having, these are situations where there's already uncertainty for every team about how their season's gonna go. There is extra uncertainty when you have, you know, a disgruntled superstar or injury issues or you know, a coach who may or may not know what he's doing or you know a team that might blow up the team trade deadline if they're not doing well and so when you have extra uncertainty it becomes even more important to look for plus money bets really as 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 high plus money cheap because that's where you want that uncertainty that variance to work in your favor i'm not interested in laying you know minus 300 on the sixers to make the playoffs or i don't even know what their what their odds are i'm more interested in you know, taking plus a thousand for them to be last place in their division, something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So last question from me, suppose there's someone out there who's listening to all this and light bulbs have finally gone off in their head and they want to create a model like this, uh, taking off your, and not that you have one, but taking off your competitive cap and putting on more of your collegiate cap of wanting to share knowledge and help make the, you know, the tide lifting all boats, what advice could you give to someone who wants to improve upon what you've done here in, with this article?
2: Sure. So I, I, I will admit the biggest weakness in, in my method is the sample size, is that I'm, I am I am making 180 team seasons do a lot of work, especially when I look for signal um, to sort of prove the mark wrong in specific instances. So I would think about, well, how can you improve on that well what if you add more years you get more data but now you're going back 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 in time where, where the market may not be you know the same now as it was back in like 2010. Uh, maybe you look at other sports maybe you look at teams full of rookies in basketball compared to teams full of rookies in baseball or football can you find commonalities across sports um you know this whole squeeze thing I never even thought to look at it Baseball or football, and I still to this day I just haven't tested to see if it exists. If I can find that same squeeze phenomenon in other sports, that would give me more confidence that what I'm seeing in the 180 NBA seasons is is real. Is it repeatable? Um, yeah, that's that's what I would say.
0: Interesting. Well, Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on here today. Thank you so much for coming to break down the fantastic article that you wrote all about how you have gone about trying to find the inefficiencies in these NBA win total markets. Uh, If anyone can, if anyone wants to read that, who hasn't yet, of course, it's going to be in the description for this video, along with the link to sign up for our discord, as well as of course, to head to unabated.com and take advantage for the NBA season of our fantastic NBA season special going on now through the 27th. So if you're, if you're listening to this before, then don't wait, head on over to unabated.com. You can grab our NBA special six months for $699. Matt, Matt, once again, thank you so much for being here with us. Where can people find you and the great work you're doing around the internet?
2: Twitter plus EV analytics, my website plus EV analytics.com. Yeah. Thanks so much for for having me on. Love your pod. Love Unabated. Keep doing what you do.
0: Thank you so much. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us here today. Of course, we will be back next week. So as always, best of luck and let's catch some tickets.